few weeks, we have been talking about Jesus' resurrection and its significance. And you remember on Easter Sunday, we talked about the unparalleled reality, the shocking reality that this guy, Jesus, wasn't dead, but he was alive again. And then the next Sunday, we talked about how those first disciples viewed it, how they saw this as confirmation that what Jesus had always been saying about himself was, in fact, true. He is the Messiah, they believed. He, he is the Son of God. They knew him now as risen Lord. Now, next Sunday, what we're going to be talking about is what the resurrection of Jesus has to do with us when we die. So we're going to be talking about heaven. We're going to be talking about the life to come. But this morning, we're talking about a fairly sticky topic. We're going to be talking about the second coming and the last judgment. Now, you remember, after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he spent days, in fact, he spent several weeks relating in his risen bodily form with the disciples. And they talked together, and they ate together, and, you know, he shared his life with them. But there came a time when Jesus disappeared visibly. We call this the ascension. Luke describes him ascending into heaven, and he, he disappears visibly. Well, in that passage in Luke, on that day, there were heavenly messengers there, and the messengers say this, in the same way you have just seen Jesus leave, Jesus will come again. And of course, because they were Jewish people, they understood that coming to be at the ending of time. So that's the second coming, and that's bringing the day of judgment. Now, I don't know how you feel about those two ideas, but let me tell you, I think most of our culture is scared to death by them. You go into any bookstore, well, if you can find a bookstore these days, they're kind of hard to find. If you can go into any bookstore, you'll just see shelf after shelf about the, the ending of the world and Armageddon and the late great planet Earth and you know, you know who's going to stay and who's going to be left behind. And it, it's like, oh my gosh. But I get it. I mean, a few years ago, Lynn and I were privileged to be able to travel to um, Rome. And uh, we went to the Sistine Chapel and we got to see on the wall there this, this picture of Michelangelo that wrote of, of the Last Judgment. And on one side, you've got all the good folks, and they're going up to heaven. And on the other side, you've got all the people who are being dragged down by demons into hell. And right in the middle of the picture, you've got a picture of the judge, Jesus. And here it is. I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of hard to see. You see, it looks very Renaissance, because it is. I don't know how you feel about this picture, this image of Jesus, but I don't particularly like it. I mean, in the first place, it looks like Jesus go, just got out of the shower. <laughs> you know, and his mother is there. My goodness, how embarrassing is that? I mean, I don't like the fact that his arm is raised like this as if he's going to smite people in judgment. It really kind of raises the question for me, is that what the Bible gives us? Is that the picture the Bible gives us of judgment? The honest truth is, is there, there are elements of that, yes, in Scripture, and, and we can't deny it. I mean, Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed to people for people to die once, and then comes judgment. 
There's a passage in, in Corinthians where, where Paul writes, you know, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him or her according to what we've done. And then there's that passage that Joe read a few moments ago, you know. I saw the great white throne, the one who sat on the earth, heaven fled from his presence, all the dead standing before the throne in judgment. I mean, when we start talking about judgment, I feel a little bit like that, uh, that patient that was dealing with the doctor that was about to perform this very touchy surgery on him. And the, and the doctor says to the guy, and he says, um, you know, uh, only one out of four people make it through this surgery. So is there anything you want me to do for you before, uh, you know, we begin? Yes, Doc, he said. Get me my pants and shoes. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how we feel when it comes to this whole idea of judgment. Well, what's the standard? Well, what's the standard for judgment? A long time ago, I can remember Pastor Rick Warren at the Saddleback Valley Community Church out in California saying two things. The standard for judgment is how we have related to Christ and His grace, His mercy, and then what we've done with that grace and mercy in our lives. And I think that's probably right. I think, I think he's on to you, you remember the, the parable that, that Jesus taught about the sheep and the goats and the separation at the end of time? He says, the Son of Man comes in His glory and is going to separate people into sheep and goats. And he, the king says, come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance for the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. You know that passage, right? And the righteous say, Lord, when did we ever see you like that? And Jesus says, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Well, then the parable goes on. He says to those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed. Because I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. He goes on. When did we see you like that, Lord? And the answer is, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. So the standard of judgment is, I mean, you stop and think about how we have been loved in Jesus Christ. How you, how Tom Bagley, how we've been forgiven. And we know who we are. We know the things that we've done. And the standard of judgment then is how have we then shared that mercy? How have we then shared that grace? How have we then been that love in the lives of other people? But man, you all, this sort of thing kind of makes me start, start to sweat. I go, oh, good gracious. Then, then who could ever stand up in the time of judgment? Right? It's like you got the, the standards here and even the best of us. I mean, right here. You know, and I know some of you think, you know, well, you're a pastor, and pastors are holier than everybody else. Yeah. But you, you know that story that I like to tell about the new pastor who moved into the community, and he's building a fence for his backyard for his dogs, and there's a little neighborhood boy that comes over, and he's just kind of watching the pastor as he's hammering things in. You know, and, and finally the pastor says, son, he said, don't you have something to do? He said, why are you just watching me? 
And the little boy says, oh, I just want to see what a pastor says when he smashes his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> well, you know what the pastor says. <laughs> Same thing anybody else says. What the Bible says is, is there's no one righteous. And we've all sinned and fallen short of God's love. So, I mean, that is, that is why, while... You know, there, there is something that is true and accurate. We are held accountable for the lives that we, are, we live. While that is a true picture, that is why I'm so grateful that for the earliest Christians, there was another picture that was even more important to them and more powerful. And it's just that picture that I showed you earlier, the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. As you think about what this means, if Jesus is the one... He leaves the 99 and comes after that one sheep that's gotten lost, that one sheep that's messed up, that one sheep that's been broken down by the things that that sheep has done. And what does this shepherd do? Goes and gathers that sheep and binds his wounds and brings that sheep back home again. It's the mercy, it's the grace it's the forgiveness of the judge that we've got to remember. The one who's going to judge us, listen, is the one who left the glory of heaven and entered into this world for us. I mean, John 3, 16. Came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to save us. The one who stands as our judge is the same one who literally gave his life on the cross. Why? For us. So that we might be free of sins. That its power might be broken in our lives. And, and that's why God raised him. So his forgiveness would be real in our lives. So, I mean, to me, as much as we look at this time of last judgment, this time of second coming, with anxiety and worry and fear, Honestly, I think for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, it needs to be understood this is a time of hope. It's a time of anticipation. Because finally, finally God is going to take all that is messed up and broken in the world and in you and me, in us. It's God going to take all our sins, all the effect of sin, and God is going to wipe it away. And we're going to have life the way life was intended to be. To me, that sounds like an opportunity for hope. Karl Barth, the great theologian, put it like this, and I like what he says here. The biblical, in the biblical world of thought, the judge is not primarily the one who rewards some and punishes others. He is the one who creates order and restores what has been destroyed. The judge makes things right. God's judgment. Christ's judgment makes things right again. But there's one more question. So where does this take place? This making things right. Is it salvation for us in heaven? Or is it salvation for us here? Now this gets us into the whole sticky issue of the rapture. Anybody heard that idea? You've heard the idea that uh, some people are taken off 
to heaven and other people are left and the world's left in judgment. You know that idea? I've got good friends who, who believe the idea. And so I, you know, I'm not going to argue with them about it. I just want to say that I think that idea is a misunderstanding because if you look at the Old Testament passages about the coming future, what God intends, it's all about this world being transformed. It's all about this world being healed. It's all about you and me living life finally the way God intended it. Life in its very best. It's not about us going off some place in the clouds, some other place. It's about that life transformed right here, right, right now. And I know, listen, I know that there are passages that kind of suggest otherwise. And one of the big passages is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let me just read its section. Two. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and, with the, dead, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord forever. Now, this is one of those passages that, that for, for a long time, I thought, well, I mean, that, that, that's proof that the salvation we receive is us leaving here and going up, going some other place but here. But the more I've looked at this, the more I've studied this, Biblical scholars actually say otherwise. Biblical scholars, particularly N.T. Wright, who's a professor over in England, he says, you know, behind this idea is actually a, a, a practice that people in Paul's day were familiar with. And this practice was the royal visit of the emperor to a city after a victorious battle. And Wright says, you know, the way it happened is that after an emperor, after our general, say, had won a great victory and a city was going to be free, then the, the, the general would come to the city gates and all the people who were loyal to the emperor to the, or to the general would come running out, cheering, thankful for the victory, thankful for the good news. But he says, look, nobody ever stayed outside the gate. The people didn't stay, and, and the general didn't leave them someplace else. What did they do? Then they all turned, and together they walked in procession into the city so that the, the general, so that the emperor could make the city like it was supposed to be. He says, that's what's happening here. I happen to think that's on target. That's what's happening. Just think about this. Where, where is that holy city, Jerusalem? Where, where is it? Is it, up in the, is it up in the clouds? Is it up in some other place? What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. Where is it coming? It's coming down right here. It's coming down into the world in which we live. And, and this, this fits so clearly with that Old Testament idea. That sin has messed up this world. That sin has broken us, but now... At the coming of Christ, now at the time of judgment, Jesus is the judge that restores this world, that restores us and gives us life like it's supposed to have been 
all the way since the beginning. And why is this so important? I mean, why, why am I going on about this? Is a preacher shut up. Why am I going on about this? Here, here's, here's what I think about. Sometimes you and I get very discouraged in following Jesus Christ. Because, friends, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, it's hard. We, we've received Christ's grace. We've received Christ's love. And our job is to share that with others and to be challenged. It, it is not easy to do. And frankly, sometimes you just want to quit. You just want to give up. You go, well, my neighbor didn't appreciate it. You know, I was kind and they were, you know, they gave me heck for that. Sometimes the church, I, mean, I watch the church reaching out into community, helping people in need, doing this, and then somebody takes advantage of you. It just, it just drives you crazy sometimes. I, I've got a friend who, who gets discouraged. He says, you know, I just try to have patience. This is my friend who, who also says, you know, I can have patience with stupidity. I just don't like people who are proud of it. <laughs> He's also the friend that says, he prays, God, give me patience, not power. Because if you give me power, I'm going to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> you know, we, we just struggle. But what the second coming of Christ and the judgment say to us, if it's here, is that all that you and I do in this life, all the effort we put in to be faithful, all the ways we try to stand up for things that are good and right, all the ways and times we show compassion, none of that is lost, but it's all gathered up by the Lord and fulfilled and enhanced and transformed finally in the day of Christ. I remember that story about the, the soldier that's on the battlefield, he's dying, and his buddy is with him, and he's holding his hand, and the guy who's dying says, I want you to tell your dad that the lessons he taught me as a child are helping me die today. The boy goes back and he tells his dad that good news. You know who that dad was? He was that dying man's Sunday school teacher. And he thought that his life had not made a difference. I want you to know it does. That's what the second coming of Christ tells us. That's what the judgment of God tells us. Is that every effort you and I put in to be followers of Jesus, to move in the direction that God is calling us to do, none of that's lost. It's all gathered up. It's enhanced, it's built upon, and it's fulfilled finally in the day of Christ. And so I just, you know, it's a hard topic. This is a struggle. I'm sure there are lots of different opinions about this. But for me, we make a mistake. If, we're, if we spend our time being so worried, so anxious, so afraid about the ending of time, look, what's, what we're promised as followers of Christ is that this is a time of anticipation. This is a time of hope. So we're going to find life better than we've ever imagined it. Now that's good news, really. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Amen.